0: Open your Bibles with me, if you will, and let's look together at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verses 66 through 72. Mark 14, verses 66 through 72. I'll take a sip of water while you're searching for that. Please take heed to the words of the Lord. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But he again denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. But He began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time, Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Please pray with me. Father, we are so thankful for your word, full Lord, certainly of your law, but so much more wonderfully, full of the promise of salvation, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we look into your word this morning, comfort our hearts by it, for we are indeed sinners who need the comfort of Jesus, our great God and Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. How strong is your faith? in Jesus Christ? I pose that question to you this morning. How strong is your faith in Jesus Christ? Here's the answer. It doesn't matter because that's the wrong question. The important question is, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Play with your mind a little there. To start with, your faith in Christ, if you have it, is faith in Christ. It's not a matter of your faith being sincere enough or somehow quantifiable to yourself or to others by your thoughts, your words, your deeds. It's a matter of whether you believe God when He says that for your sake He graciously sent His Son, Jesus, to keep the law where you completely failed, die the death your sins deserve, and rise from death for you to secure eternal life. Do you believe that? If so, you have faith in Christ. So whether on any given day your faith is strong, kind of like that Canaanite woman in Matthew 15 that just insistently pressed Jesus to heal his demon-possessed daughter and she would not take no for an answer. Jesus said, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you've asked or whether you're like that Jewish father who had a demon-possessed son. And he comes to Jesus and he said, Lord, if you can do anything, please heal my son. And Jesus said, if I can do anything. Anything's possible for the one who believes. And the father cried out, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief." On any given day, you might be like that Canaanite woman, or on any given day, you might be like that Jewish father. Your faith is strong sometimes and it's weak sometimes, but it's always faith in Christ unless you just walk away from it. The Heavenly Father is satisfied that you believe His promise of salvation given to you in Jesus Christ, His Son. As the writer of Hebrews says, faith is the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But if you wish to come to God, you must first believe that He is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him by faith. So when we think of the Lord's apostle Peter, we might picture someone who's rather very confident. He's a bold personality, Peter. One who's not afraid to speak his mind, one who's not afraid to take charge, to lead the other apostles be the spokesman. Surely Peter always had a strong faith. The scripture's total portrait of Peter is one of a man who was constantly learning to think less of himself and to think much more of Jesus. And we find Peter here in this passage this morning in Mark's gospel, having his faith so severely tested that he will deny Christ. Not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus, whom Mark has emphasized as the suffering servant, as the shepherd of the Lord who will be smitten by God and die Mark has portrayed Jesus as such and has now told us that he has been betrayed by Judas Iscariot. Not just denied, but outright betrayed. He's given into the hands of sinners to die. The shepherd smitten by God and the sheep are scattered. Except, of course, for John, the apostle, and Peter who follow rather sheepishly if you will into the courtyard at a distance not making much noise but nonetheless trying to live up to their bold claim that they would die for Jesus go to prison with for Jesus they would never deny him because remember back earlier in chapter 14 when Jesus said i'm i'm going to die And he said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, I would never do that. I'll go to prison for you. I will die for you. And all the rest said the same. But really, they're all scattered. And in a matter of hours, the misplaced hopes of Peter and all the others for an earthly kingdom of glory just unraveled. Remember, they wanted Jesus to... Established the kingdom on earth then. A theology of glory now, not of the cross and then glory later. But the true glory of Christ would soon be realized on that cross, where his body would be broken, where his blood would be shed for the forgiveness of sin. And even as we witness this train wreck that is Peter's denial, let's in no way forget that the backdrop of Mark's narrative is the cross of Christ our Lord. Jesus was seized by Jewish authorities in Gethsemane at night. Before dawn, he was brought before the high priest and the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high council, Ultimately declared worthy of death and along with John, Peter had this front row seat to Jesus' unjust trial in the courtyard of the high priest. There he heard the Lord clearly declare that he was in fact the Christ, the son of the blessed, the son of man who would soon be seated at the right hand of the power of God in heaven and would be coming with the clouds of heaven. Peter heard that, and this fact makes it all the more shocking what follows. How could anyone with true faith deny Jesus, and in such a catastrophic way? After Jesus was condemned and beaten and mocked, the attention of some onlookers now turns to Peter. For whenever Christ is rejected, you know, his disciples are always put in the crosshairs, for we confess him as Lord and Savior. Peter's first recognized by the high priest's servant girl, at least one of them. He's coming to the gate, he's been allowed in because John knew the high priest's family in some fashion, and so he comes and he whispers a word, and Peter's allowed entrance. Of course, they do this quietly without drawing attention to themselves because they're fearful, understandably. But he moves to the light of the courtyard fire, And light always exposes things. The guards and the others had gathered to warm themselves in the early morning hours because it was cool. There was a charcoal fire there, one of the other Gospels tells us. And they were all warming themselves as Jesus was being tried. Comparison of the Gospels indicates that Peter was likely nervous because if you look at all four gospels and you start reading things you're like wait a minute I thought it said the servant girl noticed him here or I thought it said Peter was here when this person said that but you have to harmonize them and think it through and when you read it it's evident that Peter's moving here and he's moving there and someone says you're one of them and oh wait yeah you're one of them and they draw people's attention to him and he's just Nervously walking around. Put yourself there. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. How would you feel? On the one hand, you want to be loyal to the Lord. You want to do what you said you would do. You don't want to deny him. But you fear for your life. The one you thought wouldn't die, should never die. Remember Peter said, not so Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus said, get behind me Satan talking about the things of men not the things of God I'm going to the cross Peter's perplexed Peter's torn both ways so he's pacing frantically I picture him that way at least the servant thinks he looks familiar you you also were with the Nazarene Jesus Now, Peter denies knowing Jesus the first time, and he claims he doesn't understand what the young lady means. Something kind of along these lines. Uh, Excuse me? Um, I'm sorry, I don't don't know what you're talking about or who you're talking about. Uh, Excuse me for a moment. I see somebody I know over here, right? You make your way out of the very tenuous situation. He removes himself from the firelight. The Gospels tell us he moves back to the courtyard gateway just in time to hear the rooster crow. Now, Mark's the only one that says the rooster crows twice. All the others just mention the, the last crowing of the rooster. And if any of you have chickens, you know roosters crow. Sometimes when you don't want them to, my guess is the sun was coming up the rooster begins his morning vigil. Mark says he crowed the first time. Why? Well, maybe because Mark knew Peter very well. And when Mark gives the account of the gospel, what he's really giving is Peter's account of the gospel. And Peter emphasized this tidbit of information. Well, there was actually two crowings before I denied him three times, and that's what Jesus said would happen. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Peter had an indication from the onset that things were going from bad to worse. The train wreck I mentioned earlier. Why didn't he just stop right there? Why did he not own up to being a Christian? I mean, if he had faith, why didn't he just pull himself up by his bootstraps and... Wait, wait, wait. You can't do this to Jesus. I'm one of his disciples. We're not going to stand for this. I mean, isn't that what faith does? Hmm. That would be faith looking to oneself, wouldn't it? Not looking up to Jesus, not waiting to see what will happen. But that's really not what's going on in Peter's mind. Again, he's conflicted here. This is a battle between Peter's flesh and between the Spirit of God. (laughs) Peter wants to escape the situation. You and I would as well. That's the nature of sin, this battle constantly, every day, every moment. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit is at work in you as a believer. He's opposing the flesh, says Paul in Galatians chapter 5. But he also says we're quite imperfect at walking in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. Here are the fruits of the Spirit, says Paul. Here are the fruits of the flesh. Well, why do you need to know the fruits of the flesh if you're always walking in the Spirit? Because you're not always walking in the Spirit. You're always tested. We're quite imperfect to that. Praise God that our perfect righteousness is not in ourselves, but it is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Matthew's gospel tells us that it was actually another servant girl at the gate who recognizes Peter and alerts the bystanders. Hey, this man was one of them. Not what you want to hear if you're trying to stay in the shadows. He's a Christian. She's a Christian. Maybe that's not what you want to hear in this culture today when you're in the midst of mixed company and people start talking about all kinds of things, politics and social issues. Someone says, Oh, he's a Christian, ask him. That's the light shining on you, by the way. You're known to be one of Christ's disciples. This man is one of them, she said. Others evidently agreed. Peter denied it once more, but this time Matthew tells us he did it with an oath. As the Lord lives, I don't know this man. I don't know what he said. Some kind of oath. That was a common one. And while the bystanders considered this, we're told by John that it was actually a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off in Gethsemane hours earlier that definitely identified him. I don't know why, but that makes me want to chuckle. Because I think back on Peter, remember? When we studied that passage before, Peter's in the garden, Lord, shall we strike with the sword when all the crowd comes to arrest Jesus, the palace guard or the temple guard? Jesus says, put away your sword, and Peter, maybe trying to aim for his head, just lops off his ear. His name was Malchus, was that right? One of the servants of the high priest, and just so happened that a relative that was probably with them in the garden recognizes Peter. Hey, wait, you're the dude that chopped off my relative's ear. Well, busted. All the bystanders, they've heard Peter talk several times now. What is it they notice about Peter? You're from Galilee, aren't you? Why? Because your speech betrays you, the other Gospels tell us. Evidently, there was a clear dialect that was Galilean. Kind of like when you listen to me talk, you know he's from Stanley County, right? Oh, you must know where Second Street Presbyterian Church is in Albemarle. You sound like you're from Stanley County. Mark says they all know he's from Galilee. Peter's attempt to follow Jesus incognito was this miserable failure. Because you can't do that. You can't really follow Christ incognito. Now sometimes... It's better not to speak up about things or just throw yourself out there in front of a bus. And if there's persecution and you can escape that, okay. In fact, the scripture indicates that that's what the early church often did. They would would flee that persecution, but when you couldn't flee it, when you had to stand and take a stand, and when you had to speak for Christ, you spoke for Christ. Not everyone always did that faithfully, though. It just didn't. didn't necessarily mean they didn't believe in Jesus. It just meant they gave in to their flesh. What did Jesus say to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane? Watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. Your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. Don't you think Peter should have been listening to that? Because Jesus had already said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows twice. He's in an obvious panic. He begins to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man of whom you speak. This is getting a lot more colorful in Peter's language. His flesh is really kicking in. Some of those bad words he learned out there fishing, With his friends. On a bad fishing day. Maybe they were coming out. Not Peter. Yeah probably. It's not good. It's sin. It's wrong. Jesus had even said. Don't even take an oath. Don't swear by the temple. Or the hairs of your head. Just say yes or no. Anything else is from the evil one. Peter is sinning. How can that be? Saint Peter, the great Saint Peter. I'm pretty sure Peter would tell you I wasn't great. (laughs) In fact, when I denied Jesus, I I not only took an oath, I cursed And when I did that, immediately the rooster crowed. The second time, I heard it the first time. Things kept going from bad to worse. Why didn't I stop? I I wasn't prepared, it caught me off guard. I didn't watch, I didn't pray. What will happen to Peter? The rooster crowed a second time. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 61, it adds this bit of information. It was at that moment, that point, that Jesus turned and looked at Peter, who then remembered the Lord's precise prediction. You're going to deny me three times doesn't matter that you say that won't happen or can't happen it will because it can because you're weak in the flesh you need to keep looking to me well that happened Peter looks at Jesus and Jesus is looking at Peter what do you what kind of expression do you think was on Jesus face Peter What are you doing? Oh, Peter, I can't even look at you anymore. Is that what he did? What do you think? (laughs) No. I don't think it was like that at all. Not a look of scorn. Not a look of disgust and wrath. Apart from Jesus, there's the frown of God. You're a sinner. You break His law. Every day, all day, constantly. Whether you realize it or not. In thought, in word, in deed. And you do it grievously. But because of Jesus... You can be forgiven. Not because you did this or that, and you did it better than this person or better than that person or this consistently for this period of time on this plateau for that long. No. Jesus looks at Peter with love. Remember that rich young ruler who said, I've kept all the law. The Bible says Jesus looked on him with love and said, no, you don't. Jesus looks at Peter as if to say, it's okay, Peter. That's bad. But I forgive you. You're mine. What's happening to me is the Father's will. Just remember All that I've told you. Peter broke down and wept. Luke's gospel says he wept bitterly. Have you ever wept bitterly over your sin? It's good if you do. It means you're realizing just how bad it is, at least as much as you can comprehend that. Three years with Jesus. And this is how Peter responds to his Lord and Master who's being mocked and spit upon and condemned to die. How can Peter have faith? I mean, wasn't he all sanctified by this point? <laughs> why, why wasn't Peter all sanctified? I mean, he had three years of a whole lot better seminary training than any of us could have, right? Why wasn't he all sanctified by this point? Peter's disillusioned with himself. He's lost his faith, has he? Is he asking himself that question? I'm sure he is. You do something you shouldn't, and it's so, so not what you want to do because you love the Lord and you don't want to do that, but you did it anyway. You didn't watch. You didn't pray. You entered into temptation, and you sinned against the Lord. And you're disillusioned, and you ask yourself, "Do I even really have faith? How can a Christian do that?" Maybe you have never placed your faith in Christ, and you're saying, "Wow, this this rough for a Christian. What about me?" And sin is rough. It is discouraging. It is disillusioning, if that's a word. Well, here's the faith you need to lose, your faith in yourself. Lose your faith in yourself. Peter lost his faith in himself at that moment. But not in Jesus. How do we know that? He's weeping bitterly. Because these are bitter tears. Because he has such deep contrition or sorrow or mourning in his heart over that. Because he knows it's sin. He knows it's everything that he thought he wouldn't do. And he did it anyway. Because his strength is not in himself. His faith is not in himself, it's in Christ. It's outside of him. Psalm 51, 17 the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. The psalmist speaks often of contrition. Sorrow over sin. Paul speaks of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Godly sorrow. Godly sorrow that produces sin or leads to repentance. Not produces sin, sorry. Godly sorrow over sin that leads to repentance. It looks to Christ for forgiveness. It's not remorse for the unfavorable circumstances that you find yourself in. Peter's not saying, "Oops, did I say that? I'm in trouble now, they really know who I am. They've recognized me. At this moment, Peter forgets about all the eyes that are on him and all the potential harm that might come to him. And he sees our Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus looks on him with love. And Peter knows, I don't deserve that. You don't deserve it either. Neither do I. This is not remorse. This is repentance. Repentance that leads to eternal life in Christ. God grants us this repentance unto life the Bible says. Remember Jesus words in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5 verse 4. Blessed are they that what? Mourn. Why? They shall be comforted. What are you mourning over? Sin. How are you comforted? Christ. Forgiveness. Jesus warned Peter of how sorely his faith would be tested. Luke tells us in chapter 22 that before he denied him, and as Jesus is predicting this denial, first he says, Simon, Simon, that's Simon Peter, behold, or look, Satan has demanded of God to have you. Why? That he might sift you like wheat That he might test your faith sorely. The implication is like Job. Satan went before God and asked to have you. He wants to throw you all over the place. He wants to beat you down. What did Jesus say? I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Not, I prayed for you that you're going to be strong because, Peter, you know you should be. By this time, nothing like this ought to happen to you. No. I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Listen, your Lord Jesus Christ, your great high priest, seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for you constantly, what do you think he's beseeching the Father on your behalf constantly that their faith may not fail. And Jesus said to Peter there in Luke 22, I've prayed this for you and when you've turned again, when you've repented, when you've looked on your sin and mourned for it and then turned and looked at me again, I want you to go and strengthen your brethren. Strengthen them in what? In faith. How? With my words. Hmm. Salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. Salvation is by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. The believer's sin, no matter how bad it is, cannot invalidate our faith if our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ who loves us and who gave himself for us and gives himself to us as he does in the Lord's Supper. So when you fail the Lord so miserably that maybe you and everyone around you might wonder, how can that person even be a Christian? Just remember the abysmal failure of Simon Peter's denial and know that you too can be a lousy Christian. You lousy Christians. We can be lousy in our faith. That's not an excuse, but that is a reality. Remember Peter. you're not above that have faith in Christ trust God's promise of salvation that's found in him and him alone now mind you wanting a strong faith that is admirable the problem is believing that you're going to have a strong faith all the time is not realistic It's not what Jesus teaches us. The strength of your faith ebbs and it flows as you encounter the world, as you encounter the flesh, as you encounter the devil on a daily basis in varying degrees. But that's why you come to church every Lord's Day, at least I hope it is. Because you want your faith strengthened for the week ahead. You want your faith strengthened, rekindled by the word of God through preaching and through the sacraments as Christ is given to you. Yes, there's the law and it says, hey, you're that sinner God says you are and worse than you think. And You're not above anyone else in your need for a savior, but Jesus is that savior And He's the only Savior. And He's every bit that Savior that God tells you He is. Trust Him. His body broken on the cross. His blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. In these we are reminded that we're sinners whose only hope of righteousness is the Son of God. In whom the Father is well pleased. That son crucified and resurrected for us. We are here, my brothers and sisters, so that God can repent us, if you will, with his word. To make us mourn for sin and look to Jesus Christ and rest there. And so knowing this, confess your sins to the Lord this morning. Don't say, I have too many sins this week as a Christian. I I can't come down to this table. No, that's why you need to come to this table. Because you need Jesus Christ. Confess your sins. Trust that God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. To cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Because God is not only just, but God is the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus Christ. You can go in peace, knowing you're forgiven because of your faith in Christ. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for Christ our Lord. Though we are sinners like Peter and all else, there is that one, the seed of the woman which you promised way back in the beginning, and whom you brought into this world in the flesh, your Son, Christ Jesus, our Lord, that he might bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that he might suffer and taste all of death for us, and that he might rise from death to give us life eternal in him. We praise you for this great, so great salvation. May all here embrace it by faith